0: We welcome you back inside the home office and welcome back to another brand new edition of NEC women's basketball on the run. I'm Craig D'Amico. Three games remaining in the regular season and the pieces to the playoff puzzle are slowly getting put together. Coming up on today's show we will take a look at the top stars from this past week. We will break down the NEC tournament by the numbers in this week's stat chat. Of course, we'll preview the final three games of the regular season. The final weekend of regular season action is coming up this Thursday and Saturday. And, of course, we'll have all the regular season championship scenarios. And we'll chat with Central Connecticut State third-year guard, Bell Lamford. All that and more is coming up. But first, let's catch you up to speed on the week that was. Here are the top headlines in our three-point shot. (laughs) We start on the banks of the Hackensack. Last Thursday night, a battle between the top two teams in the standings, the Fairleigh Dickinson Knights and the Sacred Heart Pioneers. Sacred Heart, they won the first meeting of the season between these two teams back at their place in January, 71-62, to and they were looking to sweep the Knights for the first time since the 2019 season and gain a measure of revenge from last year's postseason as well. FDU, they came out on fire, shooting 50%. In the first quarter, with four threes to take a 24 to 19 lead after one, they shot even better, 60% in the second quarter, and they shot at 50% again in the third. For the first 35 minutes of the game, FDU was in front for all but 46 seconds. They were in control for sure, but never firmly in control. Sacred Heart was always just a handful of points behind, and they always had an answer, and they never let it get too far away from them. And when FDU started missing shots in the fourth quarter, the Pioneers were right there to take advantage. FDU led by as many as seven in the fourth, but the Pioneers came back to take the lead with 4.22 to go on a Sajada Bonner bucket. Olivia Tucker, OT, hit a jumper. Part of her career-high 21-point performance to put Sacred Heart up two. It was then a one-point game with under two minutes to go when Chloe Wilson committed an offensive foul to turn it over. And after F.U. finally got a defensive stop to keep it a one-point game, the ball is then intercepted by Niceira Pryor, who reads the play perfectly. She goes down and scores on the other end to put Sacred Heart up three. That's the final margin. The Knights would get one final shot to tie the game at the end, but they can't get the three-pointer off. And Sacred Heart pulls it out 70 to 67 tucker had the career high 21 Pryor had 20 points six rebounds two assists and four steals including the big one at the end of the game well fdu only produced six total fourth quarter points and shot one for 10 from the floor in the final 10 minutes with the win sacred heart earned some more ice cream for the bus ride home the happy bus ride back to campus but they also forced a tie atop the standings The ball was in their court. They controlled their own destiny as they owned the head-to-head tiebreaker over the night. So if Sacred Heart wins out the rest of the way, they win the regular season championship. Now, in the aftermath of this game on Thursday night, both teams were also in action on Saturday. And Sacred Heart, they couldn't keep that control. Well, FDU made senior day a successful day at the Rothman Center with a bounce back 78-52 to 52 win over Wagner. Sierra D'Angelo, a career-high 30 points. The Pioneers, they would fall in Massachusetts to the red-hot Merrimack Warriors, trailing by four with under three minutes left. Merrimack got first a three from Jamie DeCesari and then a go-ahead three ball by Kaylee Thomas. The Warriors made 13 threes overall in the afternoon. They were led by career-high efforts from Kiki Thomas, who had 24. Diamond Christian added 21. And it was the Merrimack Warriors coming away with the victory. So now, the advantage in the regular season title race with FDU winning on Saturday and Sacred Heart falling, now the advantage goes back to the Knights. Same where we were this time last week before the Thursday game. They lead Sacred Heart by one game with now three games still to go. Speaking of the Warriors, they may have won seven in a row now following that victory over Sacred Heart. But there was another Red Hot team this weekend, and that was the Red Flash, who swept past St. Francis, Brooklyn and LIU. First, prior to the game against St. Francis, Brooklyn, St. Francis celebrated their Think Pink game, honoring breast cancer survivors, including St. Francis head coach Keela Whittington, who had a wonderful video on social media about her battle with breast cancer and then in a great gesture the red Flash also honored the mom of st francis brooklyn head coach linda simoneau going through her own battle in a wonderful pre-game ceremony now in the game st francis brooklyn guard Alyssa fisher reached the 1000 career point milestone on a deep three all the way from altoona just past the midway point of the first quarter but the key moment for the entire game was a 14 to 2 run by st francis to end the third quarter. They would go on to finish it and win the Battle of St. Francis 74-56. to Then on Saturday, the Red Flash celebrated their lone senior, Sam Miller, with a 61-58 victory over the LIU Sharks. They had to withstand a ferocious late LIU rally to hold on to win it by three. Miller had nine points and three rebounds on her senior day, but the star was freshman Samaya Turner, who had a career-high 20-point 15 rebound outing with the pair of wins the 12-time NEC champion are now one and a half games out of fifth place and two and a half games out of fourth so let's take a look at where things stand in the Northeast Conference but in particular with the race for the regular season championship as we showed you earlier with three games left to go FDU still leads Sacred Heart by one game following the results of this past weekend however Sacred Heart still has that head-to-head tiebreaker advantage By virtue of the season sweep, FDU is looking for their third overall and second straight regular season crown, while Sacred Heart is looking for their sixth regular season title and first since 2016. So here are the scenarios. FDU's magic number to clinch the regular season crown is three. So any combination of FDU wins or Sacred Heart losses that equal three over the next week and a half gives the crown back to Fairleigh Dickinson. So if FDU wins both games this week and Sacred Heart loses once, regular season title to the Knights. If FDU wins what once and Sacred Heart loses both of their games this weekend, also FDU clinches the regular season crown. If FDU and Sacred Heart both win or both lose their two games, the regular season title will come down to next Thursday in the finale. If Sacred Heart wins one and FDU loses both, same thing. Regular season title comes down to the final game. But If Sacred Heart wins both of their games and FDU loses both of their games, it would be Sacred Heart who clinches the regular season title before the weekend is done. So it's possible that the regular season crown is already decided by the time we get together to wrap up the regular season next week. Elsewhere, Merrimack, they've won seven in a row and 11 of their last 13, digging themselves out of an 0-3 conference start and now into a tie for third in the standings with St. Francis, Brooklyn. The Terriers finished second last year, but they lost their first round home playoff game to Bryant. They've dropped their last two in a row, but they will play Merrimack head-to-head next Thursday in the regular season finale. They beat the Warriors 66-59 to in their prior meeting this year. Merrimack and St. Francis, Brooklyn currently have a one-game edge over Wagner. The preseason favorite Seahawks, are currently on the outside looking in of a first-round home playoff game sitting as the number five seed. They are a game and a half clear of SFU. who only have two games left, remember, instead of three. Stonehill, they will not be participating in this year's tournament, but they come next in the standings at four and 10, followed by Central Connecticut and LIU. We'll head down to the tiebreaker lab and have all the scenarios for you going into the regular season finale coming up next week. Time now for the Heat Check, featuring the top stars from this past week in Northeast Conference action. And this week, a little unusual, we have some extra heat for you. We have four stars. Let's start with our co-number three stars, Samaya Turner from St. Francis U and Sierra D'Angelo from the Fairleigh Dickinson Knights. First for Turner, she is one of the prized young freshmen in this stellar SFU class, getting a ton of opportunity this season. Turner somewhat had a breakout game when we saw them last week on NEC TV against Merrimack. She tied a career high with 18 points, but little did we know that was just the start. This past weekend, she set the bar one step higher, a new career high with 19 points in 30 minutes off the bench against the Terriers. And then she topped it again, a career high double-double with 20 points and 15 rebounds against the LIU Sharks. And then for D'Angelo, she was the player of the game for our NEC-TV Game of the Week on Saturday in the night's battle against the Wagner Seahawks. On her senior day, in front of her family, coming in all the way from Pittsburgh, D'Angelo put on a performance to remember. A career-high 30 points on 11-for-14 shooting. She went 3-for-4 from downtown and even corralled 9 rebounds as well. She told us in the postgame, Coach Ange challenged her to be more of a presence inside in addition to the perimeter game, and she certainly has taken that to heart. D'Angelo is top 10 in the league in scoring a a six-and-a-half-point improvement from a season ago, and she's second in the league in field goal percentage. Now we come to our two top co-stars, Nysera Pryor of Sacred Heart and Kaylee Thomas from the Merrimack Warriors. Now, it wouldn't be a heat-check segment without a Nysera Pryor sighting. The only question is each week – is where is she going to land on the list? And this week, she checks in in a tie for the top spot. In Thursday's first-place battle with FDU, she recorded 20 points, 6 rebounds, 2 assists, and 4 steals, including a couple decisive ones right at the end of the game. She was all over the place, the fastest on the floor. Her vision and anticipation is unreal, off the charts, and it was evident in the final minutes. Sacred Heart up one, intercepting a pass, and then going down the other end to score a key bucket to put Sacred Heart up three, the eventual winning margin. Then on Saturday, she flirted with a triple-double, 25 points, nine rebounds, and seven assists against Merrimack. Pryor is the second-leading scorer among freshmen in the entire nation, and she remains the nation's leader in steals per game. Now, the only thing stopping Pryor from being in sole possession of the top spot on our heat check this week, and the only thing stopping Sacred Heart from being in the top spot in the standings, for that matter, is Kaylee Thomas and the Merrimack Warriors. Kiki scored 10 points in 12 minutes Monday in non-conference action against Fisher. Then 19 points on Thursday in another non-conference battle against Hartford, but her big day was on Saturday. A new career high, 24 points, 5 for 10 from 3, and 7 rebounds in a statement win against the first-place Pioneers. Thomas played a full 40 minutes and her three with a minute 28 to go gave the Warriors the lead for good. Thomas has averaged 16.6 points per game over her last 10 as the Merrimack Warriors have made their run into the top four of the standings. So there you have it. Plenty of heat for you this week. A little bonus heat Four players of the week in this week's Heat Check. Turner, D'Angelo, Pryor, and Thomas are top stars from this past week in the Northeast Conference. It's time now for the NEC Open Mic. And our guest this week is a third year guard from the Central Connecticut State Blue Devils. We welcome in Bell Lamford. Bell, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: <laughs> now, th- this year you've kind of taken a little bit of a leap. You're averaging about three points per game better. You're shooting 10% better from the field, about a full assist better from last year. So, what what kind of went into your offseason in the summer and the fall to kind of prepare to take that next step this season?
1: I mean, yeah, it's just the constant getting in the gym or in the weight room um, pretty much anytime I can. But also, we came here in July, um, got like a pre preseason in. So that was good. Again, workouts, conditioning, getting in the gym, getting shots up. So all of that just like um, continuing constant basketball in my hands really just helped with the flow of things.
0: It, it certainly paid off. But now, let, let's take a moment to kind of go way back to the beginning, you know, with with all the sports out there. How was it, when was it that you first fell in love with the game of basketball?
1: Oh, geez. <laughs> um, <laughs> probably when I was like very, very young. So wow. my older, I I come from a big family. I have five sisters. So my older sisters, they all played sports. Um, and really, it probably started just watching them play. And then I was like, I want to do that, but I want to do it better. So like that whole competition and <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs>
0: Now, how was it, you know, that you found your way to Central Connecticut? What was it about the Blue Devils that that linked you to the program?
1: Um, It was a number of things. Definitely being close to home was one. Um, I live from, I'm from Mass, so it's not that far. My family could come watch me play, which is very important to me. Um, And then just overall environment, you know, I knew the moment I got here that I would be able to just find my way um, in and just like make a difference just on the team, no matter where um, I would be. Um, and yeah, I just love the environment and the people here are great. So
0: that's awesome. And, and, you know, you earlier this season, you, you, you missed a game against Wagner, but when you came back after that, you had like this five game stretch where things seemed to be just rolling. You had a 30 point game against St. Francis, Brooklyn, 28 last time you saw sacred heart. So, so what was the key to your success during that, that stretch those couple weeks?
1: (laughs) I, I honestly couldn't tell you, um, (laughs) Honestly, I guess it's just the confidence that I had in myself and then the confidence my teammates had in me to step up like that where where they needed me to, but that could have been anyone on any given day. It just happened to be me those couple of games, and it was honestly so much fun to be able to do, but knowing that my teammates have the confidence in me to be able to do that was just what made it even better.
0: Now, one of my favorite things about your game is it's not just points and and scoring. I think one of my favorite sequences in the league this year was against... SFU, you, you, it was a scramble. You, you got the the go ahead layup, and then on the other end, you took a charge and you popped up smiling. I would have been in a yeah. body cast for a week if someone ran into me like that. Uh, but but how, what what is it about uh, the defensive end, and how much do you put into it? How much pride do you have, you know, on the defensive part of your game?
1: Oh, definitely, I have a lot of pride in my defense. I'm on the smaller end, so offense sometimes can be a struggle getting in the paint and stuff like that. So I really pride myself on defense first and then my offense will come like several times during sacred heart. I was able to get steals or someone will got a rebound and kick out to me. And I was able to go and get transition buckets for us. So definitely just being a lockdown defender has been always my mindset. You know, I really, I really <laughs> take it personal when people will like score on me or like if they try to get to the bucket, I'm going to take a charge because that's just how I play. And I, uh, Defense is just what I
0: guess my game is built upon. It's helped your team win games this year for sure. Um, and now th- coming up this week, it's, it's a big weekend. You got Merrimack and Sacred are two teams towards the top of the standings that who knows, you might see the following week in a playoff game, one of yeah. those two teams. So, you know, wh- what what is it? What is a key, I guess, for, for your, you and your teammates to kind of finish the regular season the best as you possibly can to get ready to make a run in March?
1: I think it definitely goes back to just lockdown defense. Uh, Sacred Heart and Merrimack both have very good guards, but I think we have a deep bench with our guards. So just being able to contain their guards and then do what we need to do in the offensive end is going to be very important.
0: And I, I do have to ask about this. As you mentioned, you're you're one of six Lamford sisters. So how competitive was that house growing up?
1: <laughs> very competitive. Everyone, everyone, every time I, I tell them that I'm, one of six, they're like, "Oh, your poor dad," and I'm like, "My dad didn't miss out on anything. We all played sports. <laughs> we were all like boys growing up, like competing, wanting to throw a football, softball, whatever it may be. It was it was very competitive to be around, but that's why I'm the player I
0: am. So, I, I hope you took it easy on uh, Jason and Priscilla <laughs> Lam for all, all your <laughs> sisters over
1: there. <laughs> oh, don't worry, they enjoy it. <laughs> it's entertaining
0: <laughs> because you you guys would have had them significantly outnumbered. I'm sure it was oh, very yeah. entertaining. <laughs> Um, all right, we're gonna get you out of here with this the final five questions. These are quick hitters. Just the first thing that comes to mind. All right. All right, favorite snack or junk food.
1: jeez, uh, I don't know. I guess I'll go with Rice Krispies right now. I have okay. a big box
0: right over there. That's why I'm looking at them right now. <laughs> can't go wrong. Uh, now, favorite song, but favorite song that I would know. Because a lot of times people say songs that I have no clue. So I'm an older dude. So what's a song that's your favorite that you think I would know what it is?
1: Um, Favorite song. Let me look at my Spotify real quick. I Ooh, okay. never have songs on command like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, A song that you would know. Hmm. I really like country. So let me just go with a Morgan Wallen song. Okay. And I'll pick the first one I find on my list. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, wait, you know what? I don't know who this is by, but it's Till You Can't. It's a country song. It's amazing. Okay. All right. What, what, just-
0: oh, oh what, Cody what? Johnson. Sorry. Okay. I know that. I know, I know that. All right. What, what is a pregame superstition of yours? Superstition.
1: I don't really. I w- I wouldn't like to say I'm superstitious, but I definitely do want to make sure that I pray before every game and just like honestly, um, just put the game in God's hands and make sure that like I trust Him with it, and then whatever He wants to do with it, He does.
0: Awesome. What What is your favorite class right now, and and what what is it? What do you like best about it?
1: class probably anatomy so i'm an exercise science major and that that class just really gets down to the nitty-gritty of the body and it's just super cool to me and interesting to know what's going on (laughs) inside my body or how exercise helps it in any way
0: awesome and and last question if we took a survey of your teammates what trait or adjective do you think they would use to describe you
1: (laughs) uh uh, a number of things, probably weird and like energetic. I'm always doing weird things at practice, trying to make people laugh. I would like to say like joyful or positive. Um, that was a number of things, but like anything along those lines. <laughs> um, yeah. I try to stay positive and just make sure everyone's upbeat at practice or in, before a game, halftime, whatever it may be.
0: It sounds like we got to talk to somebody to get you like mic'd up during a practice to hear some <laughs> of that. That could be interesting. I don't know
1: if you don't to do that. <laughs>
0: Awesome. Bell. thank you so much for joining us, and best of luck to you and the Blue Devils the rest of the season.
1: Yes, thank you.
0: We'll see Bell and the Blue Devils against Merrimack on Thursday, and then on ESPN3 Saturday against Sacred Heart. This has been the NEC Open Mic. The 2023 NEC Women's Basketball Tournament is right around the corner, and this week's Stat Chat is looking ahead to who may have the advantage come March. Earlier in this episode, we highlighted the race for the regular season title and all the scenarios. Why is that important? Well, 21 times out of the previous 35 tournaments, the nets were cut down by the number one seed. That's 60% of the time. Only seven times has the second seed actually won it all. And only three times has the second seed won the tournament by beating the top seed on their home court. By the way, none of those three times have occurred since the turn of the century. That's like late 80s, early 90s stuff. Also of note, Home teams have won 11 out of the last 14 NEC championship games, so higher seeds and home court are a major factor. That being said, though, there always seems to be some sort of curveball in the NEC tournament, one of the lower-seeded teams winning on the road, and there hasn't been a full tournament going, according to Chalk, in the first round with the top four seeds all advancing since 2016. Just last year, we had the three seed play the seven seed in the championship game. So anything can certainly happen. And on one final note, only 11 times in 35 tournaments has the team with the player of the year on their roster gone on to win that year's tournament. The last being Mount St. Mary's with Kendall Brzee back in 2021. Before that, it was Jess Kovach in 2018 with SFU. So there you go. A little NEC tournament by the numbers as the 2023 NEC Women's Basketball Championship is set to commence with quarterfinal action right around the corner, Monday night, March the 6th. Three games left in the NEC's regular season. All teams jockeying for seeding in this year's NEC tournament. So let's check out what we have coming up this week on tap. On Thursday, it's the Battle of the Hawks, the sea and the sky. Now, the sea beat the sky by 21 in their first meeting back on January the 19th. We'll see what happens this time around as Wagner visits Stonehill. Then SFU and FDU. FDU goes for a 20-win season. St. Francis trying to win three in a row. FDU beat the Red Flash by 26 points the first time around. How about Merrimack and Central Connecticut? What a rematch that is going to be. The last time it came down to the final buzzer. Diamond Christian hitting a buzzer beater on January the 26th to win the first meeting for the Warriors. But our feature game on Thursday is Sacred Heart in Brooklyn to take on the St. Francis Brooklyn Terriers. Two teams currently in the top four in the standings. Two teams both coming off frustrating losses on Saturday, both looking to bounce back. And both teams have soon to be first team all conference performers on their squad Nicira Pryor for Sacred Heart and Alyssa Fisher for the Terriers. They're going head-to-head for the second time this season, although in their first meeting, it was Sejada Bonner who stole the show by going 6-for-6 six six from behind the arc and route to a 20-point performance. Sacred Heart, they would officially sew up a first-round home playoff game at the Pitt Center if they could beat the Terriers in Brooklyn on Thursday night. Then we go to Saturday, the penultimate slate of NEC action. It starts with FDU in Brooklyn to take on the Terriers. Now, in this game, as we mentioned the scenarios earlier, Fairleigh Dickinson potentially could be playing for the regular season championship. Remember, their magic number is at three. LIU will be in Massachusetts to take on Merrimack. SFU will take on Wagner. Now, remember, this is the regular season finale for St. Francis, and their final game for a nine-day stretch until they play their first NEC tournament game. They're the odd team out on the final day of the regular season next Thursday, March 2nd, so they're going to have to sit that one out. So this is their last chance to make a statement going into the madness and improve their positioning going into the 2023 NEC tournament. This game against Wagner is a rematch of SFU's conference opener, which was won rather convincingly by the Seahawks, 76-25. to But our feature game will be Saturday at 2 p.m. on ESPN3. Myself and Ty Carter will be on the call for the Constitution State Collision. The interstate rivalry will be renewed in the battle between the Central Connecticut State Blue Devils and the Sacred Heart Pioneers. We will be excited to see Nysera Pryor on the national stage as she continues to make her case to be just the second freshman in NEC history to be voted player of the year to go with Val Nima of LIU back in 2007. Also, we know that this game is huge for Sacred Heart, especially if FDU falters in either of their two games this week because then the advantage for the regular season championship will be back on the Pioneers' court as they own the head-to-head tiebreaker over the Knights. Central Connecticut, they won the first meeting back on February the 4th in New Britain, 79-64. to They did it by forcing turnovers, 26 of them and then converting them into points, 29 points to be exact. They also converted 10 threes while Sacred Heart shot three for 19 from behind the arc. A lot of that, though, was them trying to play catch-up at the end of the game. Bell, Lanfer and Forever Toppin both registered over 20-point performances for the Blue Devils on the afternoon, and they will need to have big games once again this Saturday. Also, look out for Laura Rokul to be more of a factor, the likely, likely future all-rookie team member this season, has incredible size and length, a presence in the post. She had 11 points and nine rebounds the first go-around, including six of her nine rebounds on the offensive glass, but she was in foul trouble for most of the day. So if she could stay foul-free, she could be a big factor. The Blue Devils, their win three weeks ago, ended a nine-game losing streak against Sacred Heart, and now they'll play for their first sweep of the Pioneers since the 2018 season sacred heart central connecticut 2 p.m saturday espn 3 our feature game on the final saturday of the regular season so there you have it as we said in the open the final pieces of the playoff puzzle are slowly starting to come together as we outlined with all the scenarios by this time next week we could know who the regular season champion is or it could very well come down to those final games next thursday night we will keep track of all the tiebreakers, all the possible scenarios. Make sure you keep it on NEC social media for that. We'll head down to the tiebreaker lab and we'll see what we come up with following the games on Saturday afternoon. And be sure to check us out Saturday afternoon from the Pit Center, Sacred Heart, and Central Connecticut on ESPN3 and NEC Front Row. So that'll just about do it for now. We will see you next time. Until then, I'm Craig D'Amico and this has been NEC Women's Basketball. On the run.